Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Knitters International Podcast. You are listening to episode one, and today we're going to talk about how we got started knitting and who and what Knitters International is. So what is Knitters International? Well, first of all, let's thank everyone for being here with us today. (laughs) We really appreciate it. And uh, we're a mom and daughter team, and some of you out there already know who we are and some of what we do. But um, I would say that when we first started Knitters International, we had a thought to uh, really educate Mm -hmm. in regard to knitting. But the fiber world is so vast, so immense, right? Mm -hmm. So we really wanted to include everyone, whether you knit crochet, weave, spin wool. If you are a farmer, which you are. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> um, it, as long as uh, anyone had an interest or was involved in fiber arts, we were excited about that. And so we realized it had to be so much more than just educating lessons, classes, teaching. We also realized that there was a social aspect to this that was really lacking after the pandemic. Absolutely. Right. So people were buying yarn and doing, you know, projects quietly in their own home, Mm -hmm. just fill the time. People were beginning to feel really lonely, really uh, disconnected from others. And Mm -hmm. I think that really, um, whether it's knitting, weaving, no matter how you look at fiber arts, it's it's really enjoyable to be able to have that time to yourself and have a cup of coffee or, you know, just spend the time on your own project. And however you do this, it's okay. There's no right or wrong. Um, whether you sew, because we, we really do it all, whether we're learning or actually, <laughs> you know, 41 years in. Mm-hmm. And how many years for you? Oh, gee, I think you taught me when I was five. Right. So about... About 30 years or so. (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) (laughs) But almost. Almost. (laughs) So so really, we began to think about how, what the history of uh, fiber and knitting and the various types of knitting that we love. Um, We we really began to think about where this all began for you and me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And one common theme was how social these crafts can really be and how they have been so steeped in our culture, uh, mm-hmm. the so, uh, the social aspect of it. Right. It really has brought a lot of people together. Right. You know, and people would look forward to getting together to sit and, and uh, knit or spin wool or to crochet. There's always been um, quilting shows and uh, people who like to get together to put together and quilt, hand quilt a whole blanket or a Mm -hmm. bed covering. It's just been phenomenal to me (laughs) to watch um, the social aspect of this go away. Because in history, people loved getting together to accomplish these projects. Being an educator, both of us, we really thought about we don't want this to go away. We really want, there's a, there's a really big reason here, but we really want the younger people to pick up the craft, no mm-hmm. matter what type of fiber art they're involved in. And there are a lot of good organizations even here 
in our own area. Yes. That are trying to make that happen. There are. We don't we don't want knitting or any fiber art to become a lost art. Right. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of people who feel like we do. Yes. And so there are centers for the arts in a lot of areas. We're seeing a lot of it on Instagram as well. And we're really proud of all of you who are doing that. And that was our goal as well, is to bring back the social aspect, not only the educational part, Mm -hmm. but to bring back the social aspect. And and it's really so much more for us than all of that as well. Absolutely it is. Right. And so that's really who we are. We wanted to encourage um, all of you out there to start your own chapter or your own knitting circle or your own chapter of a... Well, there are ladies out here, for example, that were spinning wool, and they each have their own chapter where they pay dues. They get together. Yes, they, they take their spinning wheel, and they exactly. all go, you know, have tea or <laughs> coffee and spin together. They do, and it's just really, um, it's really a special time for all of them. But what we noticed is after the pandemic, people were afraid. They were afraid to get back out there and enjoy meeting up with all of their friends and all of the people they used to talk to. That was really hard for a lot of people, and people were so scared. You know, there's no question. And (laughs) you almost, what can you say? Yeah, I know. There's not a lot to say. Exactly. But we wanted to be a part of encouraging everyone to come back out and start meeting up with friends again, whether you are sitting at a coffee shop. We've seen a lot of you doing that, Mm -hmm. going out with friends (laughs) and bringing your knitting. And... I've even taken knitting to a NASCAR race. So <laughs> um, I noticed that a lot of people are doing those fun polls, uh, asking where's the funniest place that you've ever knit. And for me, I suppose that was it. <laughs> the NASCAR race. Right. Your dad being a huge fan. <laughs> right. And me thinking it's totally boring. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> as long as I can take my knitting, we were good. So that really is who we are. We have a website. That's at www.knittersinternational.com. We are also on Instagram. At Knitters International. And on Facebook. (laughs) Also at Knitters International. (laughs) So, of course, that's the social media aspect. But what we've noticed is that some of you have said, hey, we're going to join a group or we're going to meet up on Friday night. And I think it just does so much. Not only does knitting and the fiber arts do so much for people's mental health, um, I think meeting up again and making good, solid friendship connections, I think it can be done over knitting and crochet and spinning and weaving. And I'm really happy to see in some of the little towns close by that there have been new textile centers opening for Oh, that's people. so awesome. Uh, isn't it? Yeah. And so we'd like to visit and maybe interview some of them at some time. But that's really who we are. It not only um, encompasses what we do and the farming aspect and knowing the source of your wool and and I just want to say, too, if you don't knit with wool, that's okay. So <laughs> there's no judgment yeah. here or no no worries about. Um, but if you're crafting and you're making something, we want you to know we're proud of you. And so no matter what yarn or fiber you are using, it's okay. You're creating something. So that's not the point of me saying that. It's just that we love the farming aspect. We love the education mm-hmm. aspect. We love knitting immensely there isn't a day that goes by that we aren't knitting something (laughs) right I'm always picking it up and so are you when we're having tea and coffee absolutely 
I, my hands have to stay busy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and so do yours. So that's who who we are. Um, we have a dairy goat farm, but at some point in time, we are considering fiber animals. Mm-hmm. And we love educating and making sure that uh, we make it simple and that people are getting their questions asked and they're getting involved without fear. Uh, they're not going to be judged. Their projects are going to look great. We're excited for you to get started. There's a lot of people that are afraid uh, that, you know, when they get started, that, you know, maybe they're intimidated because it's their first time or, Mm -hmm. you know, but really that project is something that you created with your very own hands and it is going to be amazing. Exactly. And you need to have confidence that what you are about to endeavor Mm -hmm. on, you're going to be able to do it. We guarantee it is not that hard. And as you practice, you're going to progress. And so that's where educators have a job to do to encourage and (laughs) the social aspect of everyone around you seeing what you've done and not only can you be proud of it but there's going to be a lot of people proud of you for your efforts and then you're going to have either a garment or you know whether it's socks hats sweaters or scarves and coats and I mean the textile industry is there's just a plethora of what you can accomplish it's so vast it's so it is you can go as far as you want Mm -hmm. and so it's really up to us um, who've been in it a long, long time <laughs> to, and, and I have to say, just so thankful for all the ladies who taught me um, as a young person. And so that's who we are. Um, I'm sure there's a whole lot more we could say. <laughs> yeah, Maybe that's a little vague for some of you, but that's what we do. Uh, we have a pattern writer here. Who writes our patterns? I love writing patterns. It's kind of a newfound thing for me, but it's really, um, really born out of uh, a desire to have a garment that actually really fits and that having something that will turn out at the end. And I think that's could be a discouragement for a lot of beginners is that here they get a pattern and maybe it didn't turn out or maybe they didn't quite understand how to adjust it to their size or, you know, I really um, desired in writing patterns to make it easy for the beginner or even the more advanced knitter to adjust the pattern to their size because it's a very custom fit. Absolutely. And so I love your patterns. Um, If I can read them, anyone can. And um, (laughs) that just comes from dealing with dyslexia. Yeah. And so I I couldn't read patterns. And I think that's another reason why you started uh, writing patterns. And so it is you are really the inspiration for me to start writing patterns because I realized how, you know, sometimes it was difficult for you to read those patterns Mm -hmm. and understand what to do. And so if I could write it and make it where you could understand or anyone could understand, that was really, um, really the desire of my heart. And that has now come to fruition. I would not say that you are new at it because you had to do this (laughs) for me for a lot of years. Well, true. (laughs) You're new to sharing your Uh, work with the public. Yes. And so I think that you've done a fabulous job. Of course. (laughs) Of course, I'm going to think that. But no, I have worked your patterns and I have read Mm -hmm. them by myself. And I remember um, reading through that first one. I bugged you through the whole (laughs) thing. Are you sure I'm doing this right? Are you sure this one is right? Uh, No, and she was doing everything right. And it was just she needed that 
um, you needed that confidence I to did. I needed to know that you yeah. were doing it right and reading it right. And I think that, like you said, educators, that is, you know, our job is to encourage and to bring up those that are needing that encouragement. Well, right, because I had never worked at all from a pattern, mm-hmm. really, in my whole, uh, all this, all these 41 years. Right. The only thing I had done was followed verbal instructions and followed Fair Isle type Right, the motifs designs, mm-hmm, yeah. And diagrams. And so um, while that is hard for some of you to believe, like, how do you do that? Well, before there was Ravelry and Etsy and <laughs> pattern writing mania, so that was free advertising there. But <laughs> before all of these companies that have allowed all of us to become our own business owners and mm-hmm. put uh, patterns on, digital downloads, you have to remember that 41 years ago, all of that did not exist. No, that didn't. That's that's really a new, uh, more, you know, the last 10 years. Well, know, I'm not really years. sure how old those companies are, but... I just know that when you went to the yarn store, you generally could pick up a free little pamphlet with a pattern. Mm-hmm. And generally, the yarn companies wanted you to make something and buy more yarn. So they would provide a free right. pamphlet. Or, But it's not really where it all started for me. And it's not how um, I learned. I didn't learn reading patterns. Right. So um, what I wanted to say, though, is, and and we can get more into that, but I wanted to say we have a lot going on here with, we have a pattern writer, we have (laughs) a tech person, we have, uh, obviously, we're doing a podcast. So there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes of Knitters International, a lot of really technical work. And Mm -hmm. so it's not just all knitting and crochet and all of that, (laughs) right? right? So there's a lot that goes into this. And I guess you really wanted to talk more about where this all started. That's who we are, and there's a lot going on in the background Absolutely. that you all will never see. But um, to get everything accomplished, there's, you know, obviously a lot of... There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes that makes Knitters International what it is. That's right. So we can talk all about that another day. <laughs> uh, but everything you all see is all done in-house from websites to social media to all of our graphics to all of our designs pattern designs and any of the things we show you we're working on it is all done in-house by us (laughs) that's great and I really want to know where did knitting really start for you and I'd really like for you to tell that story Okay, well, I do know that you know this story. I do. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that um, it it took a long time for me to really convey what all of this really means to me. Yeah. And why we do what we do. It's... It can be a bit emotional at times. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, last... um, Let's see, it would be Thanksgiving Eve last night. Yes. So it would be the night before. We had someone following our posts. I guess they didn't really follow us on Instagram, but they were liking some of our posts. Mm -hmm. And where this all started for me and where this all will come together here, sometimes it takes me a minute to get my thoughts together. It'll come together in the story (laughs) here. But okay, so I grew up in Walla Walla and Milton Freewater, This is where my parents and grandparents were from. Mm -hmm. And 
This is in Washington and Oregon. And we lived in California because my dad was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And so he was, we obviously lived wherever he was stationed. Right. And just as a little tiny girl, um, every time my mom would drive up to uh, Oregon to see her parents from California and see our grandparents also in Walla Walla, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a few miles over the border from each other. Yeah. She would take us up to uh, see her sister who lived on Weston Mountain. Well, the night before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve this year, mm-hmm. 2022, we had someone take a look at our posts. And I didn't know what this was about. I didn't know if it was because I had followed Walla Walla <laughs> and their page. And I think there's a few pages about Walla Walla. Mm-hmm. Um, they're famous for a lot of things. They're famous for um, their onions, first and foremost. Yes, that's the best. <laughs> there's not a ben- better onion in the world. But um, this is where I grew up. And this is the places, these are the places that we love. So when I saw someone from the area liking our posts, I went, oh my word, what is this about? Because we had put a lot of thought and effort. There's a lot, just a lot of work that goes into all of this. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to make sure we got it right. And so telling this story that I'm going to tell, we were just really unsure about it for a time. Yeah. Right. It's very personal and very, um, you know, like you said, it gets very emotional at times. It does. So, yeah. So this was difficult. But when I saw this gentleman uh, or whoever works for him I, or who who does uh, the work that he does with him, um, I'm sure that if this was he or his wife, they're a team. And mm-hmm. so I didn't really know who was behind all the likes. And I went, oh, my word. So what he had done was he had gone and liked a bunch of our a bunch of our work. And I went over to check out who this was and found out. He was from both Milton Freewater and Walla Walla, living and working in both areas. And like I said, it's only a few miles across the border from each other in Washington and Oregon. And I saw a picture of an elk. And he made a comment that this was up on the mountain. And I went, oh, my (laughs) word. No way. (laughs) Is this possible? So I messaged him and uh, just on his post and I said, are you talking about... Uh, Weston, Oregon, because the mountain, like everybody just calls it the (laughs) The mountain, mountain. (laughs) right? And he said, he messaged back and said, you're spot on. Yeah. And I just about cried because this was the night before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it had such an impact about telling this story. So when I was a little girl, my mom would drive us back up to uh, Milton Freewater and Walla Walla to see our grandparents. And like I said, this is where we grew up. And mom would drive us, me especially, mm-hmm. uh, because I was an only child till I was four. And so she would drive me up the mountain to see her, my aunt, her sister, and my cousins. And uh, this was the mountain in Weston. <laughs> and the trees were stunning. I will forever remember those car rides with my mom mm-hmm. and the trees. That's awesome. And the, the part that was difficult on whether or not we should personally share was just that I lost my mom when I was seven years old. Yeah. And I miss her every day. We talk about her every day. Mm-hmm. You've almost. Yeah. And you have always called her grandma in heaven. 
And well, I mean, it's because although I I never knew her personally, because mm-hmm. of course you were a child, right? And um, you know, you you still feel that connection. You do. to her. Well, you're her granddaughter, right? So <laughs> sure, and. Those memories of going up the mountain, I mean, there's so much more there that I could talk about, but I just have such a sense of those trees, the stunning forests of Oregon and Washington. But mm-hmm. we'd go up the mountain, and my aunt had a small farm, right. and it's how she fed her family, how they took care of their family until later on they had a business. But up on the mountain, we'd go in, and I just remember my uncle having bear rugs oh, no. over the floor. <laughs> and he was a real mountain man, for real. He, yeah, he looked yeah. the part, and I was afraid of him. He had a look to him that was just, <laughs> wow. I, I always wondered, were his kids as afraid of him as I was? But, of course, they weren't, you know. Right. They, um, he, he would come in. Uh, and growl and snarl, and we would flee the <laughs> flee the little living room. But there were they had real bear rugs hanging on the walls, wow, and real bear rugs on the floor. And we would go out and literally, uh, you know, we're just I'm just a little kid, three, yeah, and we've got barn boots on, but the cow manure is up, <laughs> you know, almost <laughs> up to your knees when you're that little, yeah. And uh, so they had cows, they had sheep. And I remember the first time that my cousin handed me a bottle and the uh, so that we could bottle feed the lambs. Oh, yes, yes. And when we went up there, we got to do that all the time. And it was something that was maybe precious memories for them. But when you have it all taken away. Yeah. And it's something that as a child you look forward to and you know you belong there because that's your family. Mm-hmm. And then it, it just I just remember the first time that I uh, bottle fed a lamb, I was knocked backwards <laughs> and oh. because I was so little. Yeah. And uh, I remember my cousins laughing and saying, you have to <laughs> hold on because they could really. They're strong. They are. They're very strong. And we know that now having dairy goats. Mm-hmm. But I just remember the joy of that. And then all of a sudden it vaporized when my mom passed. There was no more going up the mountain. There were no more trees. No more bottle lambs. No, there was nothing. And I think that I remember when my mom passed away, I literally, I was seven. So this had been four years later of Mm -hmm. interacting with my family and my cousins. And the funniest story up there was, um, because we were not only going across the border, but we were going up the mountain. Right. My mom would forget my swimming suit every summer. (laughs) (laughs) And we would have these discussions in the car with me at four years of age or three, and I would be throwing a tantrum that she wouldn't turn (laughs) around and go back and get my swimming suit at my other grandparents in Walla Walla. And we're halfway up the mountain, and she realizes she forgot. And we'd go swimming anyway. And my cousins would share their suits, and we'd come back down into Milton Freewater and we'd all go swimming. So these were precious, precious times. And as kids, you're just having a ball. With very your, special memories. Yeah, very. Those are my cousins. It's my mm-hmm. aunts and uncles and really fun stories and really, really fun memories. Well, when that was all gone, all of a sudden, four years later, I remember crying for about a week. Like, you know, I think it was probably nonstop. I didn't, mm-hmm. I could not understand how my mom could be gone. I loved her so much. Right. And um, 
and I'm sure there are many out there who can relate at any age how difficult that would be. Absolutely. I remember my dad's mom, my grandma, Mm -hmm. saying to me, you know, honey, we have got to get you to eat. I can't let you cry anymore. Mm. Or I'm going to have to, you know, take you to the hospital. She didn't know what to say. Yeah. To get right. me to, um, to, you know, to bring me back under control and, and stabilize my emotions and what I was going through. And that got my attention. Yeah. And so I promised her, because I remember laying on the couch with tears just streaming. And I never saw uh, any of my relatives again on my mom's side for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, it was about a year probably, mm-hmm. and unfortunately. But what grandma did was she kind of just took over that, uh, that following year. She took me to uh, the Whitman Mission. Mm-hmm. And there at the Whitman Mission, they talked a lot about um, what the missionaries had been doing, what their life was like. Right. And any of you who have been there, you, you will know. At the end of the tour in the museum, mm-hmm. there was a barrel, like a wine barrel. And it was just right at my height. <laughs> that would be time. perfect height, yeah. Right. But it was full of little cards with little tiny bits of carded wool on it. Oh, my gosh. Right. Wow. And I kept that for the longest time because she bought me one. I was fiddling with it. (laughs) (laughs) And I couldn't keep my hands off of it. That's so sweet. And it was so comforting. And Mm -hmm. I, as as a child, I didn't really recognize what was so comforting at that moment. Mm -hmm. But that little piece of wool stayed with me for quite a long time. Grandma had given me a little wooden box Mm -hmm. that she had sponge painted and, uh, said this is for your treasures and I kept (laughs) that little piece of wool from the Whitman mission in Walla Walla Mm -hmm. Walla Walla area it's right outside of Walla Walla but um I kept that for the longest time and it was the greatest comfort to me when things were going so wrong and I was thinking about my mom and what my life had been like before and honestly you know I I never really I was a very unsettled child. And so one thing that I know about this industry and about all of you knitters and crocheters out there, that there is nothing more wonderful about focusing a child who may be troubled or may be just unable to uh, deal with life's problems, mm-hmm. focusing them on something that makes them feel like they've accomplished something. Something productive. Exactly. And sending, the, you know, not just productive in the sense, because I know what you're saying. Yes. Not just productive in the sense of that, you know, you're a machine or producing something or, right. you know, not in a flippant way, just right. uh, in the way that, you know, something that they've made with their very own hands. That they can be proud of. And that they can feel like they accomplished something. Well, that's what it was going to take for me mm-hmm. to settle me down. And it was really the older ladies that took me under their wing and taught me, you know, grandma being, a, she was a crocheter. Mm-hmm. She could sew. But somehow that little piece of fluffy yarn, uh, it wasn't yarn yet either. It was just carded <laughs> wool on a card from the Whitman Mission. It's amazing. Um, 
you know, when you introduce kids to things like that, or even adults, there's just something about connecting with that fiber that is so mm-hmm. amazing. And I generally cannot keep my hands off of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that made so many other connections for me as well. It reconnected me in a very comforting way to my family and my mom, even though I wouldn't see them for a very long time. And I would never see her again, obviously. Right, right. But then, as my dad remarried and I got to know the new family, the the grandmother of that family taught me to crochet. Mm. And she, it was really the only time that I was behave, well behaved and um, any bit, I wasn't an out of control, you know, just on purpose, naughty child. But I was very unsettled and... Oh, well, you had gone through a very traumatic experience in losing very, your mom. Very, And so I remember her teaching me to crochet just a chain. She gave me some yarn, and she made me a lavender crocheted vest oh. that I have never forgotten. She was a very, Amazing. very kind lady. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I would be taught to knit by your dad's mom, who is your <laughs> grandmother. And she uh, immigrated with her family from Norway. After mm-hmm. World War II, mm-hmm. when she was only nine years old. And really, at that time, I was only 18. Right. And I had already been, this is, some of you will gasp, but I had already <laughs> been dating your dad <laughs> since I was 15 years old. And uh, I couldn't believe when I found out that his mother not only knew how to knit, but that she was an expert. Really, mm-hmm. an expert seamstress. Um the clothing that she made for her children was phenomenal. Amazing. Yes. Um, the <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and uh, his aunt owned a knit shop mm-hmm. and they sold Norwegian made yarn. And they are the ones who got me involved in knitting. I remember when I broke my leg skiing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was after we were married. But before we were married, she taught me to knit. And she couldn't believe. I remember her saying, Really? You want to learn? I was like, really? I want to learn. (laughs) I want to learn. So the first thing she set me up with was a wool scarf for your dad. Of course, Mm -hmm. everything was for your dad at that point. Of course, (laughs) yes. And then uh, I remember when I broke my leg after we were married, before you were born, Mm -hmm. he had taken me skiing my first time, broke my leg, (laughs) and he, uh, his mother brought over yarn and uh, had me knit a long sweater it was knee length like almost like a coat it was Mm -hmm. stunning Um, it was the kindest thing and she was always very kind and she got me all involved in all kinds of knitting and Mm -hmm. she was very um helpful my first she plunged me into Norwegian (laughs) knitting uh Norwegian (laughs) sweaters uh, soon after the scarf Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't put it down and so she took me to her sister's shop and we picked up all the yarn that I wanted, the colors. And she said, this is really an unusual color, but it will be pretty. That's awesome. And she gave me all the instruction. And I said, are you sure? I mean, this is a whole sweater and it's a Norwegian sweater. She said, oh, it's just counting. (laughs) Now we all know it's much more than counting. And Norwegian (laughs) sweaters are stunning and gorgeous. And, but she walked me through that. I never looked at a pattern. She had me look at a diagram, of course, for, I think it was snowflakes or poinsettias or something that I was making. Right. And I chose mauve, mauve pink colors, which oh, so was not, yeah, it was beautiful, not the normal uh, colors. But she um, just poured a lot, a lot of 
instruction into me. And mm-hmm. boy, um, we'll get to all of this later, but yes. I couldn't believe it when we got to Steaking. My eyes were as big as saucers <laughs> <laughs> thinking we were going to cut this sweater. <laughs> oh, my God, no. Yeah, but she was amazing. She was um, always very generous with her instruction and her time. And my sister-in-law also taught me how to cast off when it came time to cast off on that first that's awesome. Wool scarf. So mm-hmm. that's where it really all began with just a little, it was a bit of tragedy, really. It all began yeah. going up that mountain, the beautiful trees that I... That you love to this day. I love to this day. Yeah. I can't <laughs> help it. Well, and we have trees on our other farm. <laughs> <laughs> we have trees. We have okay. a need for trees. <laughs> we do. And so how many trees? Over 4,000 trees. Over 4,000 are planted on that property. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So the trees are everything. And that all came from, you know, I don't know how come we got to have all the trees and all the knitting and why international um because we have such an international heritage and so yes. many friends internationally that actually do this. But so that's the international part. And, you know, that history and where it all began, well, we were hesitant to share it. And now we have, you know, we have our own forest, so to speak. <laughs> we do. It all was really born out of a tragedy. And I feel so amazingly blessed that there were people around me that were willing to share their skills, share their knowledge, and teach me. And then I was able to teach my own daughters. And so that's where this all started. And I wanted to tie this in with our friend in Milton Freewater and Walla Walla. I really appreciate that he contacted us or if it was his wife or uh, an employee that was working to promote their business. Mm -hmm. Um, We love to promote Walla Walla and local businesses. You've seen us promote a lot of Washington State agriculture because we're involved in the agricultural business. Yes, we are. Right. But that night when he did that, we got to talking with them a little bit. They were so kind to chat with us. And I'd like all of you to know who they are. We'll get to that in a second. But all of this really just came out of that tragic time of my life. And this is what comforted me. I remember laying in bed at night holding that little piece of wool. That's incredible. Every time you tell that story, it's just so incredible to me. And, you know, it's something that is so, um, I think the only word for it really is comforting. And it's so, it's very grounding. You know, you've got something that is consistent and you come back to it and you work on that project. Or, like you said, that little piece of carded fiber. That was something, it was always there and something that you could come back to and it was soft and wonderful. And it was full of, it brought back the good memories. And Absolutely. It, it, it was very comforting and there was a sense of peace about that. And I would hold, you know, I just remember holding it close to my heart mm-hmm. as we would, you know, go off to sleep. Because for me, that was a very difficult thing to do. And, um, at that age. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to encourage all of you out there that there are young people or maybe someone in your life that if you were able to settle them with some knitting needles in their hands and yarn or take them to a fiber farm Mm -hmm. or get them involved in agriculture of some kind, something hands-on that they can feel and be a part of and feel like they've accomplished something. For me, it was the fiber arts and 
I just hope and pray that we go a whole lot further with it. That's the plan. But Absolutely. F- to be able to teach my own daughters and see one of you really pick it up and go after it. And uh, and it's okay. We, our youngest, um, she also knits. She's a very talented knitter as well. You know, we've given away um, countless needles and starter projects and yarn and things like that That's to correct. get yeah. young people um, inspired and those who are interested to get them started on a um, started on a project. And right. I, I think for me also with us being in the agricultural uh, industry and having dairy goats, having that and being so grounded by that. It's something we always have to come back to and to work on and to love. And knitting and the fiber arts are so, so a part of that. I agree. It's, um, well, and that is part of agriculture. Mm-hmm. And it's the part of agriculture that we love the most. Yes, it Although is. Although we do love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Eating's good. Eating's good. We had a good time <laughs> this Thanksgiving and enjoyed, you know, all of your your fall produce and we're looking forward to all of that again Mm -hmm. this next year but getting your kids and getting young ones involved that you know you may be having some trouble settling them or even if they are dyslexic even if they have Mm -hmm. um, find out what they like even if they are autistic or having you know some traumatic thing go on in their life it may not be agriculture it may not be fiber arts but it could be mechanics or woodworking mm-hmm. or yeah. something that they can do with their hands. It could be painting. Mm-hmm. Um, painting, drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's working with clay or working with another craft, you know, a craft object. Exactly. Um, something that's going to produce something for them that they uh, that they made. It's so important. I, I don't know what it is about being able to work with our hands and the warmth of wood or the warmth and the softness of wool, mm-hmm. or um, even if they haven't had a tragic experience like I did, getting to work with your hands and having a skill, even if you are, um, obviously you have college education and you work with all of the tech department yeah. and you do all of these really important things and there would be no Knitters International without it. <laughs> it's still really great to be able to sit down with a cup of tea or coffee and just work with your hands. And Absolutely it is. It is. It's something, there's something so much more physically and emotionally rewarding mm-hmm. than the time spent um, on the computer, although that is extremely necessary. You said it perfectly. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better because that the computer is an inanimate object, mm-hmm. you know, um, and even, you know, our phones, for example, are, are an inanimate object and interacting with that inanimate object can be very dissatisfying right. at times. And Well, and it also can just go when you're working so hard, mm-hmm. it can just go too long. And so having that break from, you know, for you getting out on the farm, or it's that mental and physical break that mm-hmm. is just so necessary. And mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of you uh, can relate to how freeing and how amazing that is to have that mental and physical break. Right. And so if you have a challenged young one or a challenged individual in your household or in your life, or you know of someone that is really needing um, that kind of uh, more peace in their life, to be more settled, more um, focused. Mm-hmm. This is a really great thing to get them started in. It could be any one of these things we've described, or maybe you already know what you want to do. Yeah. But 
don't be afraid to go take a a class at one of your local yarn shops or, you know, cake decorating or Mm -hmm. little chef classes for the young ones. Or, you know, I know there's a lot of summer camps that have a lot of different um, things available. And so this is really what we are about. This is how it all started. Mm -hmm. We see the value in what this did for all of us. Um, of course, for our daughters, they didn't grow up with a tragedy like that. And we are so, no. <laughs> so thankful for both of you. Yes. And you're both very talented knitters and very talented um, at your jobs and what you do. You know, this is just something that we encourage anywhere we are, no matter what they take to, it's going to give you and them some peace and a sense of accomplishment. And so, um, our friend here that we talked about from Milton Freewater and Walla Walla, we would like to ask you all to go and look at Kenton Wright Equestrian on Instagram. This is a phenomenal family, so accomplished, and I am so thankful that they reached out. That's Kenton Wright Equestrian, so it's K-E-N-T-O-N-W-R-I-G-H-T equestrian and you can find them on instagram probably on facebook as well and they run the and possibly i think that they own www.wwarena.com that is www.wwarena.com and i think that they have a lot of our same philosophy about Mm -hmm. raising up the young ones um, in egg. I know that they're involved in Angus beef and Mm. very accomplished equestrians. Just amazing when I began to read their story. In addition, I think they love being out there in the wild and (laughs) (laughs) up on the mountain in Weston and also, um, you know, of course, riding horses. But just out with the herds. And I read a lot about them. I read their story. I went and really researched uh, because I felt an instant connection, not only because of Milton Freewater, Oregon, mm-hmm. and Walla Walla, Washington, which they have both listed as their business end, um, but they have a whole uh, riding arena and they teach lessons um, in addition to competing themselves. And so I was so impressed with their young man that they are raising in the industry. Mm-hmm. Very yes. accomplished young man in a, you know, probably wants to be just like his dad. I'm sure. <laughs> and so I wanted to give them a shout out and thank, tell them thank you. Thank you so much for, even though you were just liking some of our posts and never knew at all what this would turn into. <laughs> we want to say thank you for reaching out to us and we want to encourage all of you you know, even if it's not knitting, even it's not the fiber, even if it's not the fiber arts, maybe mm-hmm. you have a young one who'd like to uh, learn to ride a horse or be involved in the cattle industry or just interested in interested in some kind of um, some kind of a craft in the way of the, that we work on something. Not craft as in crafting, but craft as in you know maybe that hands is on work, hands on work of some kind. We just really encourage that, and it looked to me like Mr. Wright was encouraging the same. He's amazing, really amazing family. So go awesome. and check them out. We are thankful they contacted us. They've been so kind to chat with us. And we are uh, very into what they do. We have, <laughs> we've had horses, we have, yes. a, and, and the dairy goats, and 
we love what they do. So go and check them out. And there's a lot going on in Walla Walla, um, all of the wineries, all of the egg, all the whether it's cattle or onions, wheat. Wheat, definitely. Mm-hmm. Pea harvest. We know all about oh, this. Yeah. And <laughs> we can talk about Grandpa Jay another day, but yeah. he never retired and he always worked uh, for, and drove for pea harvest and wheat harvest. And that we have a lot of good stories about all of that. But just um, yeah, that's just where really our roots have come from and really the inspiration for us to start Knitters International. Exactly. And we know that it is an international community that knits. There's, it is. It's not all about the United States all the time. Right. You know, in fact, just to go there for a second, we understand that Germany is probably the largest in the world for how many people knit. The oh, largest wow. numbers, Germany. And then comes Scandinavia, our roots there. Yes. So anyway, that's how it all began. That's what it's all about. And certainly if you have questions, you can, can also connect with us on Instagram at Knitters International. So there you have it. That's who we are. And that's what we stand for. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today. And uh, we hope that you will join us again next time Absolutely. we have a chat. Absolutely. Absolutely.